Hey, it's charging to the party. Still no pop culture holes. The very pieces of media we missed the first time around. I never saw this movie. What's... I'm Daniel. He's Bill. Oh, I was gonna ask you what your name is, and you could have said "fuck you." That's my name. Fuck you. That's my name. Is Glengarry Glenn Ross? Yeah. So what got you? What? This is a really weird pick. Why did you pick Glengarry Glenn Ross? I was talking to my buddy about John. I, I was like, "Was a good John?" You have a buddy that's not me. That's... I feel left out of the crowd now. Well, he's on the internet, but oh, okay, yeah, he's not in person. That's not a real buddy. That's it's fake friend. Boy. Yeah. <laughs> but he was like, "I was like, was some good Jack Lemmon movies because I like Jack Lemmon." And he was like, "Go watch Glengarry Glenn Ross." The only Jack Lemmon movies I've really sat down and watched all the way through are this, some like it hot, and The Apartment. Mm. And have you ever seen The Apartment? No. That's pretty good too. That's actually really nice, kind of a 1960 kind of jazzy New York. Almost kind of like Mad Men thing going on. It was funny because I watched The Apartment right after watching uh, Mad Men. It was very kind of like... Uh, but yeah, it was funny to see jump from like watching Baby Jack Lemon and that shit to like old sad, like busted ass Jack Lemon in this movie. <laughs> busted ass Jack <laughs> He is fucking broken down. He is Gil from The Simpsons. Did you see Grumpy Old Man? <sighs> no. Uh, oh, get ready to... Or uh, I can't The Odd Couple. You <laughs> If you would see my notes, my notes for this movie are completely illegible to anyone else because it's just like, oh, and then grumpy old men yells at K-Pax. And then (laughs) Edward Scissorhands gets sad. Uh, Because I honestly cannot remember the actors' names for half the time I was taking fucking notes on this. Except for Alec Baldwin. Oh, he's Edward. No, he's Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice? Edward Scissorhands is Alan Arkin because he played the dad in in, in, in Edward Scissorhands. The well-meaning but completely no. useless dad. It's been so long since I've seen Edward uh, that. That just happened to show up on cable just a couple weeks ago. That got mm. me. It's a Diane Weist is the mom and shit. Yeah, and it's fucking what's his the the fucking the Breakfast Club is the bully in that movie, which is hilarious. Uh, um, Brian. Glengarry Glen Ross is a movie where <laughs> nothing happens. Is this your rural juror? Because it's Glengarry Glen Ross. Wait, is that what, what I it say? is? Glengarry Glen Ross. You're just yeah, you're just going Glen Glen Ross. Glen Glen Ross. It sounds like a Star Wars bounty hunter. Glen Glen Ross. Yeah. It's a movie where nothing happens. People say a whole lot of things, but it, for some reason, it's interesting. Okay, so you did at least enjoy it to some extent. Yeah. Because it, it wasn't boring. It's it's that's what I say when we- you. I think if I watched it again, I'd probably like it more. I liked it fine, but especially if you know watching, if you know what, there's only one or two twists in the movie. It's not well, even like big Shyamalan until twists. Like Twenty minutes till the and end. And if you watch it, and you can't. You, you like if you know what's gonna happen at the end of the movie. Like it even it does lend some more weight to the movie because you're like, oh, I see this character's motivation. Oh, I I see what's kind of going on here a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It's not like that M Night Shyamalan twists, but. There's some story takes some twists and turns and stuff, but mm-hmm. yeah, that's why I didn't like when you first suggested doing this. Like, I got really excited, but I didn't want to oversell it because again, I always talk about so there's so many movies like this that it's a good movie, but it's would suffer from being oversold to you. It's like somebody coming up and using like, Glenn Gary Glenn Ross is the best movie of all time, where it's such a gripping drama. It is a good movie, but mm-hmm. it's better if you just kind of like happen upon it by yourself by accident and go, "This is actually what the hell movie is? This actually kind of good. It's got good actors and well, yelling I mean, at each other, and they're all hateful." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Aside from Alec Baldwin, I didn't know nothing about this movie. Oh, yeah? Okay. That's well, the that's... only thing in the movie that really? anybody ever talks about. Or you says could anything. really get the whole gist of Glengarry Glen Ross, even though it's one character yelling at a room full of other characters. That's and kind I, of the high... I, yeah. I know that wasn't in the play. Yeah. And I don't know how the play works without that scene, though, because that kicks well, off. Well, yeah. I, I was going to say, it gets your attention, and it makes you pay attention to what's going on, and I, I feel like without that scene, 
it would have been hard, impossible it's like saying, to oh, draw people into this. It's and like get saying, them to oh, pay you know, the theater version of Star Wars, they didn't have the whole Death Star plans or Leia getting captured at the beginning. It started off with like Luke Skywalker just being a farm boy for twenty minutes. They're like, then what the hell's the plot of the, <laughs> the plot of the Star Wars without the Death Star plans or yeah. something like that? But I mean, that really actually is. Com- it's funny because the Glengarry leads that he, what's his face uh, Alec Baldwin brings it. That's the MacGuffin that starts the whole plot. Mm-hmm. It really is in the most like Hitchcockian sense of the word, and I guess maybe the, there had to have been at least the temptation of the leads. Maybe you just didn't have that speech in there. But anyway, but yeah, it's it's fucking dark and stormy and shit. It's dark and stormy and shit. Uh, Jack Lemmon's making phone calls on a payphone. Oh yeah, so is Ed Harris. Oh man, this is the other thing too, because the movie starts off with like the clumps font in the credits. Mm-hmm. You know that shit, big shitty font that they yeah. always use in shitty ass movies. And it's interesting, comedies especially. If for say some reason you caught this on TV and you didn't see like the and didn't know the name of the movie, uh-huh. it's showing everybody's name like Ed Harris, blah blah blah, and it's all the same. And then it says Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. So you would just think that's another actor. That's in the just movie. like some kind of weird like Latvian guy, yeah. like oh Glenn Gary. Oh Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross is in this. I mean, also the movie title. I saw this movie kind of bombed a little bit because okay, so... it cost twelve million dollars to make, only made made ten million, and I'm like, no shit, because you named your fucking movie. Even after you're seeing the movie, you're still like, what the fuck does Glenn Gary, Glenn, so Glenn I know Ross who even mean? Glenn Gary is. What's Glenn Ross? Tell me what Glenn Gary is. Because I had to look it up last night in bed just to go, okay, now I've kind of got it figured I'm, out a I, little bit. I, Glenn Gary is the land that they're selling? Yeah. Yeah. The, well, the, so what happens? They're selling two different parcels. Okay, uh, hmm, Okay. let me try to see if I can remember this explanation. So the Glenn Ross leads are the, uh, is the real estate and the leads that everyone's working with. Mm. The shitty ones that everyone's complaining about. The Glenn Gary stuff... Is the what new hotness is the new hotness that uh, the Godfather is selling, mm-hmm. and I guess the title is supposed to mean like the best and the worst of the stuff you could sell. It's like the best and worst of apex of life, and the it's supposed to. It's just still doesn't even because people are just shouting these words in the movie, and you're just like it's. But yeah, and this also confused me too because I couldn't even tell. This is a big thing while watching the movie uh, before too is I couldn't tell where the movie takes place, and they're talking about the Glenn Gary stuff. No, the the Glenn Ross, uh, real estate in Arizona. So I thought maybe this takes place in uh, Arizona, but there's like there's subway shit in this, and there's no subways in fucking Arizona. I had to look it up. Technically, this movie was uh, written to take place in Chicago, filmed in New York, but yeah. So the real the shitty real estate that everyone's trying to hawk off, except for The Godfather, is yeah the Glenn Ross, uh, real estate in Arizona. The good stuff, the Florida stuff, the Glengarry stuff is what Richie, Ricky Roma is trying to sell uh, Brazil. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, that's even going to get confusing. <laughs> trying to sell Brazil. Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. Uh, fucking Baron Munchausen. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so is that a clear explanation? <laughs> sure. I can see her you tuning out. Yeah, you, oh, so no, I'm you're trying fine. to explain it, but yeah. Um, but yeah, those are the two. Why would, even if you're going to, what? Why name the two things almost exactly the same as each other? Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Like, what's who's Glenn? Why is Glenn in charge of all this? The oh, you were saying, but <laughs> they're on the phone. Well, they're making phone calls, uh, and they are not. They're, just, they're trying to sell shit. They are not fans of it. All their leads are terrible. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I hear, I have heard rumors that the leads are weak. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of talk of leads. Um. 
So since you looked that shit up, can you tell me what leads are? <laughs> well, leads are just the pieces of pa- like it, are it's, they the are they're they, just the assignments just that they assignments? get assignments? Okay. Yeah, because you see in the movie everyone's like throwing like little the teal pieces of paper around like pull yeah. postcards. That's just I think the idea is that whenever old people like they happen across a magazine that their company, the real estate company, is advertising in, mm-hmm. if they're interested in the real estate that they're hawking, they fill out those teal postcards, send them in. And those postcards just have the information. Uh, and so that's, yeah. And so that's what they're just giving us. So that's, they're just calling up people. So that's all it is. They're essentially okay. just being given, given the customer's contact information. Gotcha. And it is kind of proven throughout this film that the leads they have are fucking bullshit. Because even Jack Lemmon gets screwed at the very end when he thinks he's made a, I mean, spoilers for the end of this movie. Why would you be listening to this if you already haven't seen the movie? But like, yeah, it like it turns out like everyone they're talking well, even, to is even, are crazy people without money. Even or just, Pacino, who's the top salesman, is like these weeds are bullshit. Yeah, even yeah, at the end, well, they, like they're talking about the Patels are a bunch of fucking goofballs, and yeah, and he's the only one working with any leads where anyone actually has any How money. How is this or office leads. open? This is the other thing. What are they working? Because okay, so assuming this actually does place take place in New York, it's in the middle of the summer because they're talking about how hot it is. Mm-hmm. They're having lunch. Like it's way past. Dark, way past sunset. Like they're ta- they're ringing people up saying, "Hey, do you want to have a meeting at 10 p.m.?" I'm like, "What the fuck?" They- and they're having lunch at like 8 p.m. at the Chinese restaurant across the street. And like, I mean, I know the whole point of this movie is supposed to be dark and noirish, and, and like, especially at least the first half kind of takes place in perpetual night, mm-hmm. dark and rainy and steamy and kind of nasty. But still, even like, like, what the fuck job is this? Everyone should be a home. Everyone should be at home playing with their kids, much less fucking Alec Baldwin coming and yelling at people. And shit. But <laughs> yeah, I it is that is kind of the one. Actually, one of the cool things I like about this movie it does take place in a weird dream state where really like where why they're working so late and where they're at, even what city they're working in, is not really nailed down. So it's just kind of it's just like yeah, it's it's all kind of fuzzy and kind of weird and mm-hmm. yeah it kind of adds to the kind of dreariness of the film in a good way i think yeah. so k-pax shows up k-pax <laughs> which i've never seen k-pax neither why, why yeah. would we how many fucking yeah yeah of the, yeah hmm. kevin space shows up tells them there's me tonight things are gonna change around here <laughs> that is his character <laughs> hey guys i'm totally a little boy is this, the, this must be like one of his first movies because I, I don't. I don't think so. He's, everybody's so prestigious in this. I mean, yeah, that's true. Although he may have, well, he's been he's like the the the, the head theater guy at the Old Vic in London. I mean, he he was that after this, but like he must have had like a really good like theatrical pr- uh, uh, presence before this film. But anyway, but yeah, Kate Pax. Mm, well, all the guys are hanging out at the Chinese restaurant across the street, drinking and shit. Then Lemon goes back to the office, which is across the street. Mm-hmm. Jack Lemon, uh, Harris, and Alan Arkin are in the office. Baldwin is also in Spacey's office talking to him. Yeah, when uh, when Ed Harris comes across the street from the Chinese restaurant, he notices that there's a BMW parked in front of the the the, the, the premier real estate building and he's like what the hell is this and even when he comes into the office he's like he's like who who does the bmw belong to and then alec baldwin comes out and he's just like yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. uh they don't know who he is but he's gonna talk so he comes out he's um the big real estate place downtown and he's there to tell them how shit they all are the jobs 
Jack Lemmon starts to get coffee, and he's like, "Coffee's for closes only." This is this is where the movie the really starts off. Yeah, and this is where it starts off and finishes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um. Yeah, Jack Lemmon's. I do like how Jack Lemmon is completely like, Are "You fucking kidding me?" He's yes, like, "What? What?" He's like laughing. He's like, "Yeah." He's like, "As soon as you leave, I'm gonna get the coffee anyway." What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> you gonna stand guard, guard by the coffee all night? Fuck you! I want. I like my coffee. I don't. Okay. okay. Oh no! No! Yeah. Oh no! What? Can this kind of work environment exist anywhere in the world? This, cause like everybody I mean, is screaming at everyone all have the time. They murdered everyone else who can even do this job, so it is down to like these last people that they can just abuse endlessly at like eight p.m. on a Friday night. Yeah. Like the fuck? That's again. This this takes place in such a dreary, never world of like what the fuck is the logic of this world? I then I know. The business world can be super fucked up and cutthroat, but this isn't I mean, you even like how Jack this Le- isn't even like the Wolf of Wall Street high stakes shit. This is a bunch of guys trying to sell garbage to old crazy people. Mm-hmm. That can even makes it more depressing that like they're trying to make this shit cutthroat and stuff. But yeah, yeah. But uh, he tells Ed Harris that this watch costs more than your card. First prize this month for sales is the the Cadillac, which doesn't look like a modern day Cadillac. It looks like some piece of shit from the eighties. The prop maker only they they, they 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 didn't have Google image search yet. So yes. here's your nineteen seventy two Cadillac. Second prize is a set of steak knives. Third prize is you fired. You fired. So do they really mean to pare down the because inter- there's a whole there's like six people in this office. Are you really gonna fire four people and only keep the top two? There's, Jesus there's Christ! There's only four dudes. Uh, so they're only going to lose two of them. There's Ricky Roman, there's Ed Harris. Yeah, well, yeah, close enough, but yeah. Close enough. There's only, well, excluding Spacey, because he doesn't have to sail. Oh, exactly, sales. yeah, he's just So the there's only manager. four sales dudes in here. Ugh, yeah, okay. So they're going to get rid of two, yeah. which, I mean. Welcome. Yay. This is, this is, the, this is a yeah. fucked up Mad Max way of doing it, though, yeah. What it's actually even then they have to know that Ricky Roma because even have he's giving this whole speech in front of the monthly tallies for that mm-hmm. month because they're talking about the, this is it's the sales for September. Well, that's, that's why count he doesn't the have to be at the office. He well, that's have the to be best. At the I love that sales. I love the well. Also, not. I mean, that's true too because he's already he's he can get he know he's got the Cadillac. He doesn't have to do anything. To, to to even win that Cadillac, he's gonna win this contest no matter what anyone else does. But I also love the fact that. He's not there because he's actually he's in the middle of making a sale. Yeah. Everyone else, the only reason they're there is because they're not in the middle of making a sale. But he's across the street trying to sell to a guy that he presumably met at the Chinese restaurant. So it's just yeah, I kind of like that thing too. But yeah. Mm-hmm. So ABC always be closing all that stuff. If you heard any part of this movie this is the part of the movie you heard yeah i'm surprised he didn't write down half the lines because like everything that comes out of his mouth is just gold so i didn't write down much of the dialogue in this yeah. i usually do but it all comes so fast and so it's very i'll talk about it in a little bit okay yeah it, it's yeah we'll talk about the dialogue in a little bit uh in a good way yeah okay kinda. okay okay um Always be closing, yada, 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 ABC. So close to being AIDS, I'm glad, like, the uh, attention, interest, decision. Have you made your decision for you Christ? Blah, blah. And thank God the last thing is action and not, like, systematic or something. What? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. The most interesting, more or less, scene in this movie happens within the first 15 minutes. 
it finishes, and then it's just a bunch of sad men. <laughs> it really is, because everyone's like, <laughs> for the next hour well, 20. it is interesting how, I mean, it, I, this is a good character study, though, because the first thing that happens, at, what everyone's first actions after getting yelled at by Alec Baldwin really kind of shows off their character, because Ed Harris, the Abyss, he just blusters about how, what fucking nonsense is this? He doesn't take any action, he just complains all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, fucking uh, Little Miss Sunshine is just sitting there quiet. Bleh. Fucking Alan Arkin, just like, he's just a lump on a log. And But fucking Jack Lemmon, the first, he doesn't even complain. Like, after the, uh, Alec Baldwin leaves, he doesn't complain. He, he picks up the phone, starts making sales again. Maybe he's not the best salesman in the world, but he is a machine. I could totally see why people called him uh, Shelly Levine the Machine, because he just gets up and starts calling. Yeah. And I thought that was kind of a cool just way of showing character. Um, I also really do like uh, how Alec Baldwin, for whatever reason, really leans into Jack Lemmon more than anyone else during the, the, the tirade. And Jack Lemmon just sits there looking like he wants to knock uh, Alec Baldwin with uh, in in the face with an aluminum baseball bat. Because I don't I I don't know if it's supposed to be I don't know if Alec Baldwin's done his research on these guys or just really good at intuiting what these guys' soft spots are. Mm-hmm. But like he goes after uh, Ed Harris, just belittles him for not having money. He goes after uh, Jack Lemmon, makes fun of him, like, "What do you do? Go home and call, uh, cry to your wife?" Which we've seen that he was kind of doing earlier like he keeps on checking in with his wife yeah so he's kind of beholden to his wife not in a bad way but like he's an old he's an old man he's an old wife he's and he's constantly having to apologize to his wife for not being home and i don't know it's just kind of interesting and even then he yells at alan arkin doesn't say or move doesn't say or do anything or even move a muscle the whole thing i love that he even goes up to alan arkin is like well he's these you think you're too good to take this abuse well fuck you and just like i just it's a good character scene all around i mean he won an award for it so yeah, I could see why the show was award-winning. This actually, even seeing this stuff live on 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 a stage would be really interesting if you had the right <laughs> actors. Yeah, except the scene wouldn't be in there. I, I mean, oh, they might I have, think about they that. They might have added it after the movie, but <laughs> supposedly, supposedly they did. They relaunched a version of the play on stage with Al Pacino involved, but instead of playing his character in the movie, he plays Jack Lemmon's character. Everyone hated it because they said he was completely wrong for that kind of character. Well, yeah. I don't know if that. I mean, you can see maybe the part of that's miscast because everyone would want to see him as Ricky Roma because he's such an indelible part of this movie as that character. But like, it's it would be kind of funny to see Al Pacino saying, being so little sad sack. Yeah, she got a great ass. Just <laughs> <laughs> perfect. Yeah, he calls up. <laughs> Honey, you could dial, dial, dial. Pick up the phone. Honey, you have a great ass. I'm Jack Lemon, but mm. I'm played by Al Pacino. Thank you. <laughs> Here's the big stack of pink leads. It's the Glengarry That's leads. The, yeah, the super special Florida important. leads. Yeah. I love they're like in a, I don't want to keep on freaking out about stuff, but I love I love they're in like little gold ribbons yeah. like tied up. And like there's one shot where Alec Baldwin pulls them out of his briefcase and he kind of shoves them towards the camera as like almost like a gift. And mm-hmm. then he pulls them away that like taunting the audience by way of the, the 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 people he's playing to in the room just kind of nice little bit of like there's so okay i'm gonna stop freaking out about this one a little bit but there's so many bad attempts to translate stage plays to film yeah this movie actually whoever directed it james fuller well, i don't know what else he's done but he does a good job of like it's 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 not just a static shot all the time mm-hmm. and just even something like that where alec baldwin goes up to the camera and essentially offers the glengarry leads to the to the camera and pulls them away it's nice because it could. They could have just. Man, I just. 
Across the Universe is a movie about the Beatles that was done like 10 years ago. That wasn't a stage play, but that was directed by a lady, Julie Taymor, who's done a lot of stage stuff. And that is so much static where the camera's just locked off. And it's you could tell that she thinks like with a stage play perspective where yeah. static audience, just everything's just like stage left, stage right. And I do love the camera moves around. There's some nice, you know, this is a, for, for, especially concerning the subject matter, a bunch of uh, old men farting around in a room. This is relatively cinematic for what it is. Mm-hmm. So anyway, the end. anyway, Bill, <laughs> it takes brass balls to oh, sell yeah. real estate. Oh, look, he's got props. <laughs> he's the carrot top <laughs> of the sales force. He's well, he's got that and the steak knives. He's got yeah. like I'm surprised he doesn't have a fucking clown wig or yeah. He, he calls them all a bunch of shitty fuckers and leaves. Yeah, quote unquote, he calls them a bunch of. F words, bad F words. Yeah. So they each get two leads, shitty, shitty leads, and yeah. two more tomorrow. It's obviously late at night, dude. There's, why are they gonna do a leads at like seven p.m.? That's what I'm calling. Cause like, how you think you're calling up people this late at night? You gotta be doing nothing but just driving them nuts. Yeah, yeah. And especially too, cause this isn't super apparent until you watch it a second time, but um. Jack Lemmon's bouncing between trying to make sales and also, like, there's something going on with his sick daughter. Mm-hmm. And so he's constantly having to call both his wife to apologize for not being home and also calling the hospital to see what's going on with his daughter. And, like, Jesus, that's super depressing when you're watching the second time realizing how much he's just, like... And it's, like, yeah, it's, like, it's like 10 p.m. at night. Yeah. He should be home, and it's all just, like, ugh, that's super depressing, but yeah. Yep. Person with the most sales wins. Third place, no more job. Uh... They get locked. All the leads get locked up in Kevin Spacey's. Yeah, they have that very pointed shot where you see him. It's you see him where like. Well, it's interesting too because you see it's Jack Lemmon who can who has the direct line of sight to see where he's uh, locking up all the Glenn Gary leads. So. Mm-hmm. He should have just taken him home. He should have just shot Kevin Spacey right there. And even before he locked him up, just run in there, knock him away, grab the leads, <laughs> run out into the street, yeah. get on the bus, cackling. <laughs> so they start calling. Just get on the phone. And uh, there's a quick scene of Alan Arkin calling someone and saying, I'm at the airport and your property's near the airport and yeah. blah, blah, blah. And Jack Lemmon's sitting behind him using some telemarketer bullshit to try to close. Again, that's a nice way of showing character about how... I, I do love how Jack Lemmon has so much like, Hello, Miss Nyborg. He's like, kind of like reading off a script, like a memorized script that he's been saying for like the last 30 Talks years. Talks to his imaginary secretary. Grace, give me, me $10,000 in cash. And just... Yeah, well, yeah, Alan Arkin's more just direct like, Hey, I heard you want to... You you send us a postcard, and we, it's more like like I, like you and I would probably do it. Mm-hmm. Whereas like yeah, Gene, the Shelly Levine in the machine, he's got his old act, so, which I thought was great. I I could ask I, ask this at any time, but are you supposed to like Jack Lemon in this? Oh, I think he's supposed to be the most sympathetic character. Us, I, I mean, if only just because he's the oldest guy who's obviously had to take this kind I, of like shitty abuse for all of his career. Yeah, but at the same time, like, although he turns into such a petulant shit at the end of this movie. At the same time... Every one of those movies a butthole. Yeah. Yeah. At, but at the, Well, Arkin's not that bad. Um, well, just because Arkin's just kind of like... He's a follower. Yeah, he's, yeah. The, he's the follower. Uh, yeah. But, but Jack Lemmon... Uh, we're so far removed from getting telemarketer calls all the time. Like, 
back in the 80s and 90s, they'd call your house at dinner time and shit, and they yeah. were annoying. And, I mean, that kind of happens now, but you can look at your cell... Like, I look at my cell phone, and it says, scam likely, yeah. so I, I don't answer it. That's kind of... I never even thought about how this movie... This movie can still exist today, but it would have to be limited to old people who don't have cell phones or can't block stuff. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly, this movie doesn't work nearly as... I mean, granted, if you made this movie today, it'd be about Zika, African emailers or something like that. Yeah. It wouldn't be about just, like, like harassing people over the phone or over, like, fucking Arizona real estate. It would be other some kind of, like, internet email scam. Like, I don't... I honestly don't know if this is the way real estate worked back then. Yeah, well, For Dave, this type... Obviously, this type of real yeah, estate. Yeah, David Mamet said he was, like... Uh, he Before he became a playwright, he worked in real estate, like, the 1960s, mm-hmm. so... Even for, like, like what this movie came out, like, 1992, this is already kind of, like, 30 years, kind of, like, maybe a little bit out of date in terms of, like, how everyone acts and sells. Yeah. Uh, and especially now, because, you know, now it's, like, 25 years since then, too, on top of that, so this is this is super archaic to... Yeah, but, yeah, it's, it is an interesting look into the world of, like, the stuff like this must have happened all the time and still must be happening in its own weird fashion today in the world and will always have, be happening until the end of the world, until communication between people stops existing, but... Um... But yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. So, Arkin and Harris go into the side office and complain about everything. Get used to that, because they're going to do it a lot for the next hour. That's... I only took a handful of notes. Oh, I uh, barely took any. Yeah. Uh, Just my, because it's all talking and... Well, especially these guys. Roundabouts. Yeah, all right? the scenes uh, between the Abyss and Edward Scissorhands are going to be hard to parse on the podcast, because it's all bluster and talking in circles. Uh, well, this... Harris will be like, blah, 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 And Alan Arkin will go, yeah. Blah, yeah, blah, blah, that's, yeah, and it goes on for like yeah. 15 minutes, too. And this movie's not super long. It's only like 90 minutes I, I, long. It's, and so it's that's like, like Alan big... Arkin only exists so Ed Harris isn't talking to himself. Kind of. He's the Cortana. Yeah. <laughs> it's Master Chief, but like, if Cortana were like, had no significant input, which is like, uh-huh, yeah, uh, yeah, that's, that, that's fucked. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, uh, the Abyss is a blowhard who only talks to Edward Scissorhands because he's too passive to even get up and walk away. It's like watching someone talk to their anime body pillow. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I did read an interesting thing where, um, Alan Arkin did say, he was, he didn't want to take the role because it was so thinly written. Because mm-hmm. he just sits there just to kind of agree with Ed Harris for 15 minutes of the movie, and he does nothing else for the rest of the movie. Yeah. And so he had to come up with his own. He finally agreed to do the movie, but only after he came up with his own backstory about how his character, uh, until very recently, had been like a public school teacher and like gotten fired, and he got sucked into this real estate thing because it was the only job he could find. He like answered an ad in a newspaper, mm. and so he's brand new there and barely even knows any of these guys, and he's super intimidated by everything. Which, if you think about it from that perspective, it's a little more interesting. But I mean, not 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 that it really comes through the film or anything like that. But yeah, yeah. he's such a non-entity in this film. Yeah. And this, yeah, and this this is 15 minutes of the yeah, just yeah, fucking Ed Harris just making a big blowhard about stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it is. It, it, does he broach the subject? Not yet. Of no, okay. Robbing happens a little bit later. Yeah. Okay, yeah. It, uh, it's an office scene. Lemon and Spacey are going back and forth, uh, which ends with them bargaining. Lemon will give him ten percent of the cut if he'll give him some of the going oh, Gary I leads. For... Yeah, this is Spacey wants twenty percent and fifty bucks a lead. Yeah. Yeah. They argue a bit about it. <laughs> I love that. And eventually Lemon agrees, but he only got thirty bucks on him, and he's like, "Well, fuck you, no deal then." I do love Spacey totally got lemon over a barrel. He's just like, fuck. He's like, fuck, give me my fucking cash. You want the leads? Get me the fucking cash. And then, like, Lemon doesn't have any cash and he gets all upset. And doesn't he, like, leave the car and, yeah. like, he's going to go get cash or something like that? And it's all like, yeah, it's, it's, 
Jack Lemmon is so fucking desperate in this part of the film where he's just... He's almost willing to suck off Kevin Spacey in his car. How quickly after this movie did Old Gil come out on The Simpsons? It must have been a while, because, like, when this movie came out, The Simpsons was still in its heyday. Oh, that's true. And I never even heard or saw anything about Old Gil until, like, this, like after I had stopped watching. So it must have been at least a couple years. But Say, uh... but it's funny how Old Gil it really is just the Xerox of this character. Just super... I, guess, I was reading online, I guess Old Gil kind of, like, replaced... Uh, who Lionel is this? Hutz. Lionel Hutz is their kind of lawyer because a couple times, like, yeah, he's like either their lawyer or Homer's like accountant and stuff yeah. like that. And that's kind of a if you have to replace Lionel Hutz, it's not the worst way to do it, but yeah, it's kind of a shame because it is just oh, like a brazen Xerox of this character. <laughs> well, yeah, this is this is this is Jack Lemon being his most Gill ish, <laughs> just being like, please, please. And again, if you watch it a second time, you realize how much he's talking to his daughter and his daughter's doctors and so it's not just that he needs money just just to live but like he's actually got a sick daughter and so there's some kind of altruism here and it kind of explains why he's so it's not even just about his job but he just needs any kind of money at all just to, to fix whatever is going on with his kid but yeah so he only got 30 bucks on him no do then back to alan arkin and harris doing talking at the diner yeah or Chinese restaurant complaining about everything at work. Sales ain't like they used to be. You don't sell somebody one car and fuck them over. You sell that customer five cars throughout their life. Blah blah blah. Well, not the worst advice, yeah. Yeah, but but again, like, I don't think he practices that. So. And Harris's conversation again—it's just bluster. He—he's—he's mm-hmm. he's, he's not taking any action. He's just complaining, complaining, complaining. And yeah, it's still Alan Arkin just kind of agreeing with him. And this is when he takes the turn towards stuff. No. Starts no really okay okay well is this intercut with the Ricky Roma stuff then because Ricky Roma's still at the bar, uh not quite well eventually because yeah. they they cut back and forth because you see Lemon goes to some guy's house and tries to sell him real estate oh, that's a fucking sad ass fucking scene yeah yeah he talked to his wife earlier but she's not at home she's at a PTA PTE meeting uh and Lemon tries some more of his sleazy shit and saying the guy won a contest and he's not trying to sell him land it doesn't work he's escorted out of the house yeah in and his sad wet hat he really just a sad wet old man just trying to he at no point in the movie does he look more like the, the creature that he is just a sad wet old man desperately trying to sell real estate to people who aren't buying and just and like especially the house he goes to is such a big fancy house and they obviously have money, mm-hmm. but the guy does say they just had a kid, so of course money's going to be tight and stuff. But like, yeah, and how quickly that conversation changes from like Jack Lemmon sitting down on the guy's couch and being like "oh, hubby bubby" to the guy saying, almost threatening to physically throw him out or call the cops. Like yeah. it almost gets to that tenor where it starts actually getting tense. Then Jack Lemmon picks up on that and says, "Okay, I'm fine. Like, okay, yeah, I'm not making a sailor. I got to get ahead of here." But yeah, super, super sad. Yeah. So. Harris and Arkin park in their car, get out. Harris says they need to get back. As a, they I got forget, a, they're driving around. They yeah, driving okay, that's around, what yeah. it is. They're but not they at the Chinese did, They also did, yet. like, a cold call at a house or something. And, and the, like, yeah, you see, they're just walking away. Bums. Yeah. These leads are fucking shit. Uh, Harris, uh, this is when Harris is like, we got to get back at the man. Strike gotta back, yeah. Robbed office and steal the Glengarry papers. That'll this show him. Is... That'll teach him. That might be at the Chinese restaurant, but there is one bit where they go to a diner. Oh, that's when he's talking about selling the cars. Instead of selling one car, you sell someone five cars over yeah. over 15 years. They're at a diner, and yeah. there's an opening, establishing shot of the diner, which is totally like a Nighthawks of the Diner parody. Or not parody, but like 
homage. You know that famous yeah. painting? The, the, yeah. We're just trying to be like that a little bit, which I thought was kind of mm. nice, but yeah. Then they go inside the Chinese restaurant. The China Bowl. Inside of there, Pacino's talking to Brazil, who is trying? Is he... Is there an American accent there or not? I think I he's very tired. I think the character, when he gets a little drunk, a little booze into him, he starts, hello there. I couldn't and tell if he was doing an American accent I just don't think he can not. do a really solid American accent. He, maybe he was, maybe his character, maybe he thought of himself as like, I'm an American, but I spent my formative years in England. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, and this is, I, is this, because I think this starts off, I, I always think about, this is one of the abiding uh, lines from this movie I always remember, is that it just starts off with Ricky Roma saying, all train cars smell faintly of shit. Yeah. And just, it kind of shows how Ricky Roma, his sales tactic is just to go as far afield as possible, not talking about real estate at all, mm -hmm. just trying to draw his score in, his mark in, just by talking about the most just philosophical, weird, goofy shit possible, and gradually circle into, well, your life feels empty, you don't have any meaning, here's a way to take control of your life by... Here's a piece of paradise you can sell to here. And he even goes so far to pull out. He pulls out a fucking shitty ass little brochure, and he's yeah. like, "Look at, look at these flamingos." But that that happens later. Yeah. This is the whole long thing that happens. You ever yeah. taken a dump that made you feel <laughs> like you just slept for twelve hours? He's talking about fucking a lady. His boss felt like concrete. It's yeah. just those random. I almost think that this wasn't even part of the script. This is just Al Pacino just riffing for ten minutes. Oh man, and this is totally. You could totally see that this is this is the start of the Al Pacino we know in the '90s. Well, I was joking about that. She's got a great ass. Yeah. This is you could start because that what was that from Heat? I've never seen Heat or whatever movie that is. That quote is from. But this is totally the beginning of grizzled old. You could see a faint ghost. I mean, you've never seen the Godfather movies, but you could see a faint ghost of Sonny Corleone in him because he's still just almost he's, young enough. He's still but... leaking a little of Dick Tracy. Oh, no, I didn't think about that. He's still yeah. trying to do a little bit of the big boy. Dick Tracy, I think, is probably what broke him, because that's what he sounds like for the rest of his life after that. I did this, <laughs> I did this voice in Dick Tracy, and I never been able to go back. He sounds like a bulldog's fart butt cheek. <laughs> and you can, yeah, you can start seeing a little bit of that in this role right here, where, yeah, maybe this is the first time where he's playing a role straight, but you can see that the big boy shit kind of broke him. Uh, Yeah, so. And then at the bar, Alan Arkin and Ed Harris are talking, but they're not talking. They're just talking. But they're just talking, but, but they're talking. Are you talking? They're not talking. Yeah. What are you talking about? Are you talking? No, I'm not talking. I'm just talking. Minutes. Yeah. Are you talking? About, are you speaking about the idea? What are you? I'm not talking about the idea. I'm just saying I got yeah. an idea. To be fair, Alan Arkin is justified in being like, what exactly? Like, because well, that's the thing. Because fucking Ed Harris blusters so much, it's hard to tell when he's blustering, when he's actually suggesting a plan of action, and then yeah, and doesn't. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, we could sell the leads to Graph. Did you talk to Graph? No, I didn't talk to Graph, but we could sell the leads to Graph. How do you know he'd buy the leads? I, 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 this is a big thing Graf that comes would up. buy the leads. Yeah. So you Graf... talked to Graph? I didn't talk to Graph. I'm just saying. You're just saying. So this is a big thing that Harris keeps on railing about is how this Graph guy seems to have been someone, I don't know if he worked at the same company they worked at, but he was at least another salesman like them who has struck out on his own and created his own salesman company. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, so he's talking about stealing, does he, uh, he, is, he does eventually get around to the idea of stealing the Glengarry leads and just selling them to Graph and joining Graph and quitting this company and just making a big break. And, yeah. Yeah. This movie does a good job with 
pretty much any time two characters are talking of there's a, a lot of talking where they say the same thing over and over again one guy will say something the other guy will say the thing back to him in a question form the first guy will clarify that and then the second guy will clarify it again that's very Aaron Sorkin kind of writing too it's, where it's like repeating and kind of like regurgitating the same idea over and again. and, and they kind makes, of watch it mutate into it, another idea it yeah. keeps you interested it's not how anybody in the world actually talks, <laughs> but it feels like they're really talking. It's a weird trickery of dialogue. Yeah. And I wonder how much of this is... I wonder how much of this is improvised could, versus, like, are, is every note of this actually could, in the script? Could you or? imagine if you knew somebody that did that all the time? Fucking A. Well, I was reading an excerpt of the actual... It was it was um a, a, an excerpt from towards the end of the movie when... uh. Uh, Al Pacino's having a meltdown at Kevin Spacey, and just how he's so angry, he's jumping from like sent half half sentence to half sentence because he can barely like get out what he means to say. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, and I'm looking at the transcript of what he said, and I'm like, man, if this is the script as written, it just you know, sounds like fucking gibberish. It makes sense seeing it live on the screen where he's like saying these things, and you could just he's just inflecting so much like anger between every sentence as he's breaking, interrupting himself to say with another insult on top of an insult. Like, it's a fucking insult Jenga. Mm-hmm. And, but on the page, it's like, what the... F- it sounds like he's having a heart attack, <laughs> yeah. like, on the page. But, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I kind of wonder how much of this is... How much the actual input the actors had into their dialogue to kind of, like, craft it. Because, yeah, I mean, it is kind of organic flowing. I and mean, Maybe this isn't exactly how people actually talk, but it's believable, though. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's yeah. a weird trickery that they make this way that nobody talks. Yeah, it's not realistic, but it's talks. believable, yeah. It's like a good special effect, but in dialogue form. Yeah. Um, a lot of talking happens where they say the same thing over and over again, but somehow keep it interesting. <laughs> they could steal the leads and sell them for $10 a pop, make like $5,000 or something. It, it doesn't seem like a lot because it'd be costing them their jobs. That's what I'm assuming. They must be planning on hopefully joining Graf's organization. Because, yeah, $5,000, even in 1992, like, you're not going to live on that, especially if you got a wife wouldn't and family. Make, like, that's... make, like... You could pay the mortgage for a couple months, but, like, you know, it's not, like, a life-changing amount of money. Wouldn't it make more sense to, like, break into the office and scatter the leads all over the place and take a couple of them for yourself? <laughs> yeah, trying to make it not... Because, obviously, the way the, the, the breaking goes, it's obviously someone who wants those leads, who is a businessman... If you make it just look like a general issue of burglary, yeah. that's less... Although, they do end up stealing the phones. I wonder if that was, like, their attempt to kind of, like, mask the intention yeah. of... Yeah, I don't know, but yeah. So, uh, quick scene. A lemon trying to call his daughter, but he can't get through to her. A payment or something didn't go through. Yeah, he, he needs money no to, like, money. tomorrow, yeah. yeah. Which, we'll rewatching this again, it's like, oh, I... Mm, this is... Yeah. yeah, this is kickstarting what's going to happen. In More back and forth film. between Arkin and Harris. Harris tells Arkins that that Ar- Harris tells Arkins he'll be doing the one that does the robbery while he's out of the movie Please. drinking with some friends. Milk money and get smart. Get they were the characters in the Bill world. Get smart. Yeah. According to IMDb, Alan Arkin was in the Get Smart remake from like oh, five no. years ago. Well. Alan Arkins actually got a, quite a resume. I've not seen vast majority of his films, but yeah. Mm. Anyway, yeah. Because, uh, he tells him that he'll do the robberies because he, he'll be the first suspect. Arkin's not a fan of the idea, but Harris is like, hey, it's too late. 
And now you gotta do it. This because, is shitty logic, yeah. <laughs> because since you listened to me talk about it, now you're basically complicit in it, and what we'll go to jail too. Motherfucker! That's the point where Alan Arkin just punched him in the face, got home, and fucked his wife. Holy yeah. shit, get the hell out of my face. Jacqueline is still trying to sell slash con people out of their shit in the restaurant. Yeah. On the phone. And Tries to suck a hobo's dick. Pacino is still talking to Brazil, waxing poetic, telling them about how nothing really matters, getting friendlier and friendlier, and then boom! Tough acting to Nacton. Sells in some real estate. Just the fact that he pulls out such a shitty brochure. You think he was making a more romantic? on it and it shit. Does. It is the most. God damn. Pulls My... out a pamphlet. Look at this. Aw, oh, shit. He was grifting him the whole time, Bill! Who knew there were so many different types of salesmen? This does remind me, because a couple times with my parents, when I was a kid, they would drag us out to, like, sometimes a real estate stuff. If you went to a real estate pitch meeting, you get free stuff. Yeah. And my parents would drag us out there just to get, like, the free radio or whatever it was supposed to be. Oh, and I remember man. they would have, like, and this would actually be kind of like maybe a couple years before this happened, but, like, the fucking pamphlets were just like this, where it's all flamingos and shit like that, and it was watching my parents feign interest in like these kinds of pitches, I mean, of course none of the, the salesmen were as charming as Ricky Roma, but like, yeah. oh god, it kind of gives me total flashbacks to stuff like that. I get one now and then that tries to do me in where you can usually tell you're gonna get a sales call because there's a long pause. Yeah, as they're beforehand. like connecting and setting but everything up. But there's one lady who's obviously been trained because she's like, "Oh, I'm sorry, my headset wasn't working there for a minute." And I'm like, "You motherfucker, you know what you're doing." I just said, "Nope, goodbye." <laughs> I'm always polite to them because they're just trying to do their fucking job. I'm like, "No, no, thank you, good sales luck," and then people, I hang up on them. Yeah. It's not their fault they got put in a shitty, shitty job. I've taken... I will act a little retarded. I will just be like, <laughs> Hello, how you doing? Have you found my red ball? Do you have my red ball? And they just hang up. And that's like, that's always... Actually, well, the Indian fucking people, though, I will totally fuck with. Because they can be super aggressive, so I'll totally be just like... Oh, I got my first... Not to get racist, because the movie's always racist like, about Indians, like but like... Like a year, eight months ago or something, I got my first... Uh, like you could hear the other people in the background my first like your computer is yeah is uh it's norton antivirus we gotta hook up to your computer they and don't we'll even, figure it out for you yeah they don't even try to make it sound like you're smart or anything like that they uh, just was like, yeah the most... oh, it's my first one i'm gonna listen to this whole spiel i'm gonna waste this dude's time and listen and listen and listen and i went nope and hung up <laughs> Exactly, yeah. At least at least people Western, if you have like a domestic call, at least there's a little pretense of, hey there, how you doing? With the, yeah, the Indian callers are just like, hey, stupid. <laughs> your computer ain't working. Give us $10. Yeah. No, yeah, your computer's not working. Give us complete control over your computer What's so your we password? can fix it. We can make computer go 10 times faster. Oh yeah. my god. Which I love the idea of turning the Indians into fucking Italian Bronx uh, teamsters. But, this is the next day! Dun, dun, dun. It's daytime. Pacino yeah. gets out of his car. See some busted up windows. Ask cop outside what's going on. And he's like, you got robbed. So Patino goes in. He's a whirling tornado of shit. Ranting and raving about, oh, the contract. Did the contract get stolen or not? Because he, oh, you owe me a Cadillac. Blah, blah, blah. Lots of shouting and grumping. Just generally being a shit. Yeah, there are a bunch of cops there taking testimony. Fucking uh, K-Pax is talking to, like, the cops. Yeah. Yeah. Showing the other side of his personality when he's not trying to schmooze Brazil into buying land. Yeah. Turns out he's an asshole. Well, 
Well, Turns out that everybody's He's kind of sympathetic, too, because later on, he's the only person who treats Ricky Roma or, uh, or he's the only person who treats Levine or Alan Arkin with any kind of respect later, though, at the same time. Like, yes. he's actually kind of nice to those guys, but... Uh, I do love Al Pacino's complete fucking dismissal of both K-Pax and the cops. Yeah. Both. Like, no, ma- no matter what the cops are doing, he's just like, what the fuck do you want? Like, no, it like... There's some point where the cops like say something to him. He's like, "Oh, you got me. I did it. I fucking broke up the place. Now let me just go to lunch for ten seconds." Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, but yeah. He's because he's told the the sale he did the night before is fine. It got filed and sent downtown. Grump, grump, grump. The phones are stolen. Grump, grump, grump. How can he resell all the little shit? There's no phones. Grump, yeah. grump, grump. Which is an interesting idea because the idea that they've like all the sales that everyone's made in the last week if they've been stolen. That means, I guess that means that they have to send people out to re- get those signatures back. So you pretty much have to like, reconvince everyone to reclose yeah. all those sales everyone makes. And that's when K-Pax mentions about how they're going to have the owners like Mervin and Marine or whatever going to come in and actually personally try to reclose all those things. The salesmen don't have to worry about it. Yeah. Well, at least that's what he says to Ricky like, Roma. But... Why would anybody steal contracts? <sighs> that's... Do you think that would be Al Pacino's first question? Like... Or that would be the first thing that would raise suspicion that, like, this must be some kind of, like, someone who is a salesman who knows what they're doing, even if they're not trying to get the contract for their own personal use, because they're not, not use, they're not useful to anyone except for that company. Yeah. But, like, you would think that, like, they... Yeah, it's, it's a little confusing as to exactly what Jack Lemmon... When you find out that Jack Lemmon and fucking Ed Harris did this, like, what the hell was their exact plan? Like, why, did, why would they steal some of the contracts, even? Yeah. Like, yeah. So, Alan Arkin and Pacino talk so much round and round. Someone broke into the office. They're not gonna. They're not gonna figure out who did it. Who? The cops. The cops. The cops. The cops are not gonna figure out who did it. No. Where were you last night? You last night. Do... Where were you? At home. Where were you? At home. See. Oof. All you have to do is to win an award for writing dialogue is just have the characters repeat each other for five minutes. I do. Would you like us between this and Aaron Sorkin, man? That's 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 all you need to do. It's just. Oh man. Do you love lollipops? I mean, lollipops. I love lollipops. What flavor lollipops? Winter green. Winter green. Green of winter. Yes. Oh, no, you should have had a couple more in there. What flavors? What flavors? Flavors. You know flavors. 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 Oh, flavors. And then Jack Lemon says flavors. <laughs> winter green. Winter green lollipops. Oh, winter that's... green lollipops. <laughs> As long as you're just saying as it, long like, as the pacing feels good, yeah. And as long you're as you're scowling good. enough and just kind yeah. of yeah, <laughs> you're after halfway to your Tony award right there. Mm-hmm. Is that Tony? What's the Broadway award? Tony. The Tony. Yeah, it's Tony. Okay. Tony the Tiger. Our All senior? the statues is shaped like Tony the Tiger, <laughs> and it says awarded to Les Mis. It's great. Yeah, it turns out the Tonys have signed a really unfortunate licensing deal with Kellogg's in 1912 that they can never break out of. Mm-hmm. That was like a blood curse, and now they're stuck with these fucking Tony Awards. Do, do musicals have to compete with, like, real plays like this? <laughs> I, I know, I, just, I knew wow. how bad that was going to sound, but fuck it, real plays. Yeah. For the Tonys, like, there's no two separate categories. Like, the, there's not, like, I, the... There's, like, dramas and musicals and shit. There must yeah, be separate categories, right? Yeah, yeah dramas. It's... Real plays versus bullshit. <laughs> singing bullshit. Uh-huh. Get fuck off with your Disney film. Get the hell out of <laughs> Lion King. Anyway. You're a horrible human being, and I hate you. <laughs> yeah. I can only say that because one of my favorite movies is Mary Poppins. <laughs> and the technical awards are uh, Snap, Crackle, and Pop-shaped trophies. Hammering <laughs> her way on sets and shit like that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... Lemon, uh, Spacey comes in, 
give Al Pacino some leads. And he's like, these leads are terrible. Fuck you. Oh, one of them is the Patels. Yeah. Yeah, Google, there, there was someone raving about it earlier. There, there's there's uh, an Indian family called the Patels that they just want to talk to. Mm. Uh, they don't have money. They just, they're just tired and bored, and they just want to talk to a salesman. And yeah. <laughs> Dude, Pacino gives this crazy speech about Vishnu could come right down and give them a million dollars, and they wouldn't share it with anyone. Fuck those guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Lots of fuck yous. And I'm waiting for new the new leads. I ain't gonna do these old leads. Yeah, I don't think you can act like this is the real world and not get fired. <laughs> Although Ricky Roma is so explosively more talented at selling but than at everyone else, time, he is pretty much he's their in entire the shit business office, and he is like threatening the cops to like fucking arrest me. I don't give a shit. Even the cops are like, oh, okay, Mr. Pacino, we don't want to arrest you. <laughs> but yeah, he is... I mean, it is, it is this point that you do really wonder why he's not running the place and what the fuck is K-Pax even doing okay, there. Uh, he's... He's the office guy. He doesn't do the sales. Yeah, I know, but still, like, well, even this even becomes a point later where K-Pax, or a fucking Pacino's all like, like taunting about how the only reason he even has that job is because he's like someone's cousin or something like that. And mm-hmm. You do kind of wonder, like, yeah, because Spacey is kind of just weevilly enough. You're like, well, like, how did he get this job? Mm-hmm. But yeah. Lemon shows up. He's super stoked because he sold eight units. He's so thrilled he doesn't even notice that the everything is fucked up. Which is kind of, again, kind of a nice bit of character that the place is devastated. And he just shows up, sits like, in his sold chair. sold eight units. I did it. I did it. What happened here? The and, place, and Kevin Spacey in the background goes, the place was robbed. <laughs> All right. Well, well I, units, I sold them. And, and he goes on for 20 minutes telling fucking Al Pacino, note by note, blow by blow, the whole sales thing he did the night before yeah. selling off well, to Ed the Nyborgs. Harris, how it comes out of the office, he was being interrogated. He's all, bullshit, I hate everything. Guys, all talking to me Ed like Harris that. in this movie, yeah. Oh, Bunch they? of fucking nonsense. Bunch fucking of fucking nonsense. Bullshit, it's awful. And then he just... Pacino uh, Lemon's trying to tell Pacino the story, but Harris keeps interrupting, and he's like, Harris asks if they stole the contract, and he's, Pacino's like, it doesn't matter, and he's like, he won't say anymore until he gets pushed, and yeah. he's like, why would you care if they stole the contracts? You ain't sold shit in months. And then Harris yells at him a lot. And Harris goes unhinged. He's like, fuck you. Yeah, yeah he gets really... Pacino remains calm. So I guess him... This and... is hilarious. I guess Pacino and Harris are the bipolar guys in the office. When I see trolls fucking with people online, I kind of get a mental picture of Al Pacino and everyone else in this room where Al Pacino's just sitting quietly behind his desk. Not quietly, but just like taunting people and everyone else is just exploding around him. Mm. That's kind of like the trolls relationship with the rest of the internet online. But... They're... Yeah. Ed Harris. He like, loses his... Fuck you! Fuck the police! Fuck this place! And leaves. And this, this, this is the last moment you see of him in the film. It's almost like you can almost imagine you can hear his footsteps going... And then getting into his car and screeching away and, like, driving to fucking Mexico because he knows he's fucked. Yeah. yeah. Pacino tells Lemon to continue his story, so he do so. I Again, told, he goes on for another ten minutes I about, I held like, that pin and I didn't move for five minutes till they took the pin from me and signed that and name. And we, we drank. We got little shot glasses with fancy designs on them. And we yeah. drank and... and I, I sold that shit. It was just like the old days. This just like I was taught. Oh, man, how? Just like you taught me. <laughs> <laughs> I want your own little radio drama of this play. Because you could probably do good Ellen Arkin. Because Ellen Arkin's just like, Hey, uh, uh, Ed, Ed Harris, uh, don't yell at me so much. Man. Oh, yeah. And Ed Harris is just Alan like... Ellen Arkin is not hard to do. He's just kind of, you know... Hey, how you doing? This yeah. is why it's... 
You know, not a lot, Although, of, not a lot of excitement. In even there. for radio play to do Ed Harris, you do need blue contacts just so you can have that glare. Oh, sorry, I was doing Alan Arkin. Yeah, no, 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 don't say it. But if you have to do the Ed Harris part of the conversation, you have to have that stare. Even if it's only radio, you still have to be like, "The fuck is this yeah, shit?" You need some very vibrant blue. Yeah, contacts. exactly. Yeah. Um. But yeah, th- this is. Sh- this this scene really goes to show how mercurial Jack Lemmon's character is, because the night before he was willing to suck dick for a quarter. Now he's king of the world. Yeah. Like this, I did it the old way. I just did it how I was taught, and this is this is how you do well, it. I'm a master kinda, salesman. Kind of like how gambling addicts work. Kind of where, where the highs are so high and so low, and like it's almost like schizophrenic. Like yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Super sad. Yeah. It's a good thing this isn't real. Uh, but you, the terrible thing is you totally recognize these personalities in real life, though. So, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, yeah. Mm. So, uh, while he, while, uh, Lemon's telling Pacino the story, the camera's slowly pulling away from him. It's a nice shot. Oh, I didn't notice. Yeah, they're, they're sitting at the, the office chair and the camera's slowly backing up. And okay. Showing Again, that's office. what I was kind of saying. They actually I'm sure do... there's some meaning there that a YouTube video has gone into 15 minutes discussing. Oh, God, I'm glad but... I didn't look up any YouTube videos about Glengarry. You would imagine there wouldn't be that any because it's... This is not exactly the sexiest movie to talk about, especially on YouTube. You're not going to see. Oh, there's plenty of cinema snobs out there that would be like, oh, here's my interpretation. But like, of when, this you know, the movie. people who review like Spider Man with like a picture of Spider Man exploding and like their face superimposed going, yeah. oh? I will not click. Like, you're not going to do that I with will Gary not click any YouTube videos that has somebody's face on the thumbnail with their mouth open photoshopped on top of something else. Fuck exactly. You. That, I'm like, hmm, yeah. It's awful. I would love to see. Actually, you know what? You should do that for Glenn Gary. Oh. Just, oh my God. I can't believe you said that. Yeah. <laughs> and the actual the picture is just Jack Lemmon looking all hangdog. <sighs> Wet. Yeah. <laughs> You're just like, oh my God. Spacey comes out of the office. Lemon, I want some more leads. I'm on a hot streak. Dude, you sold one. It's yeah. not really a hot streak. This is Gil on a good I day. I close yeah. the deals. I'm awesome now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and he also, yeah, he also to... lets Spacey know, you're not shitting, fuck you, you don't know dick about sales, fuck, what are you gonna do, fire me on an $80,000 sales day? Blah, and he grabs his dick. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I love how also Jack Lemmon turns into, who's the child molester director guy? Uh, New York, did all the New York movies, Woody, Woody Allen. Allen, yeah, <laughs> I can't get to, oh yeah, child molester, oh, New York, okay, yeah, yeah. And eventually Spacey goes back into his office. Brazil shows up at the office and Pacino's sees him coming. And is yeah, he Lemon. immediately loses his shit. He's all fuck. <laughs> yeah, Lemon, yeah, he's like he grabs Lemon and is like, "Act like you're an interested buyer, and I'm selling you sh- some shit." So they act like they've got a plane to catch. And they yeah. gotta go. And Pacino and does say this thing like, I "Can't when talk I, when, to you. When I he, gotta run." He's like, "When I do this with my hair, say Kilgrave or whatever it is." Yeah. And I do like there's a moment where uh, Pacino's so quick to sit down. He's like chewing gum, takes the gum out of his mouth, tries to stick it on the table. The the the, the gum pops off the table. Mm-hmm. You kind of see Pacino react for a moment and then ignore it. Like it's not a it's it's just an actor mistake. It wasn't like obviously nothing scripted, but he's mm. such in a panic to kind of recompose himself. And yeah, so yeah, Lemon sits down. They're pretending to be like, yeah, he's selling Lemon real yeah. estate. They almost get away because they got a plane to catch, pretend yeah. plane to catch. But then Brazil bursts out. My wife wants me to cancel the deal. And my wife called the attorney general or something, and they say we got three days, three, three days to change our mind. This is oh, pretty much the most of the rest of the movie. It's well, you got like kind of the first third of this scene, or the, at least of this interaction being. Al Pacino pretend, pretty much pretending 
pretending that he can't even understand what Jonathan Price is saying when he's trying to bluster with yeah, Jack of, Lemon about, oh, I got to go to the airport. We got to go. I'll talk to you. The, I'll talk lots, Monday. Monday, we'll yeah, get together on Monday. Lots of fast talking to define what three days is and how yeah. Pacino can't meet and until Monday. And after like five minutes of that, yeah, days. Brazil is like, oh, that's when he says, oh, I, I, my my wife said, I, we got to yeah. we, we, we cancel like, this. But Pacino's like, let's go get it right. Just join me. We'll talk about sales. To go, well, and then there's the de- debate about how... Um, Brazil's wife has checked and found out they have three days to yeah. renege out of the contract. Mm-hmm. And this goes on for five minutes about trying to, like, okay, will you sign the contract on Wednesday? That's three working days versus three non-working days the weekend. That means you don't have until Wednesday. You do have until Wednesday. It this the circular logic thing where, like, yeah, Pacino's just trying to do – he's spinning his wheels trying to do anything to salvage this situation. Yeah. And then he finally does say – if, 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 what 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 he eventually realizes is that he's not going to get anywhere with Jonathan Price. Don, Jonathan Price does bring up, well, this is all really all out to my wife, mm-hmm. and um, Al Pacino finally goes realizes that what okay, what we're going to do, we're going to talk to the wife, and he's going to see what he can do to yeah. convince the wife because obviously, like, he's not going to be able to convince Jonathan Price not to renege. Yeah, so they have a heart to heart. Yeah, they're going to go get a drink. But Spacey comes out of the office and is like, oh, you're that guy. Don't worry. Your contracts and everything has been sent downtown. It's all good to go. After Ricky and, Roma has just told him that the contracts haven't been signed, everything's still negotiable, it's okay. Yeah. yeah. And, Bruce and Bruce- also fucking K-Pax says, and don't worry about the police. The police are cool. And he fucks everything up 16 ways to yeah. Sunday. And Brazil's like, oh, fuck, oh, no, I gotta the go. The police are here. Yeah, he oh, totally sorry. turns into, oh. Sorry to disappoint you, Al Pacino. I love that even after he finds out Al Pacino's lied to him about the contracts not being signed and all this other shit, he apologizes. I mean, that's, again, that's a great character, but that he apologizes to fucking Pacino for this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Pacino tells Spacey he's a fucking idiot, and he's gonna this... get him fired, and I don't care whose nephew you are, or what you're, who's cocky out of this suck, he shouldn't be, out to, shouldn't be allowed to work in an office with men! <laughs> he's, and this goes, this is like seven minutes long, this, his yeah. ty- this may be actually my favorite part of this scene, because he's so fucking unhinged, and Kevin Spacey, he just takes it, because he knows he fucked up, and every yeah. every reaction shot of Kevin Spacey is just melting more and more, because he he knows he, he's probably lost his job, because he has so fundamentally fucked this up. Yeah. I mean, on top of the fact that he also, he also let the office get robbed, but just, yeah, I love how it even closes with just, you fucking child. Mm. And it's just, mm, it's just fucking great. It's just this, I, mm, I love it so much. And, but at uh, the same time, Fuck you, opportunities! You're trying to con these people out of money. They didn't well, have. they're all trying to con. Like, yeah, yeah. It, if you look at it from that perspective, they're all assholes who deserve yeah. to go to jail. But yeah, and the terrible part is then grumpy old men gets on and starts laying into fucking K Pax too. Well, Pacino goes into the office to talk to the cops that are there investigating yeah. the shit. So now Lemon and Spacey are alone, and Lemon starts telling Spacey what a shit he is, and. Uh, he, you, you garbage at your job, and you, know, you don't make something up unless you know you're gonna help. And this they is less, blast it. Yeah, this is only less than twelve hours after, like I said, fucking grumpy old man was gonna suck K Pax's dick in his fucking car last yeah. night. Now he's all like admonishing about how he doesn't know how to be a real salesman and stuff yeah, like that. You don't know how like, to run man, a business. Yeah, and he's like, yeah, I'm done with you, and wipes the uh, nut dust off his. Fingers that he had been eating. But yeah, he's being such a petulant fuck in this Spacey's scene. Spacey's standing there for a bit, and he goes, How do you know I made it up? Hmm? 
You said not to make things up unless you know it helps. How do you know I made it up? Yeah, because this is in reference to uh, Kevin Spacey having come out and said uh, that, that the, the contracts had been signed and taken out of the yeah. office. Turns out they hadn't been. Yeah. But then... I told the customer the contract had gone to the bank. Yeah. And Lamb is like, it hadn't? It hadn't. Always take it to the bank. Every said, time. Yeah. First time ever I went home with my, be with my kids last night and left it on my desk. Why the robber would notice something like that. And Matlock popped up behind him and said, Gotcha, motherfucker! And freeze frame, collect the credits, that's it. The end mm-hmm. of the movie, yeah. Oh, man, I do love fucking Jack Lemmon's slow realization that he's fucked. And, like, his whole, like, fuck you, man, shit melts into... Fucking, yeah. he gets the meat sweats immediately. Yeah. It's great. He has no fucking good face on this. He's no. totally, like, yeah. Jack Lemmon does some fantastic acting in the last... 20 minutes of this movie. Like I said, especially zigzagging from being so like, fuck you, man, I'm I'm the king of this factory, to being like, what are you talking about? Well, I, I, I didn't say, I didn't know anything about it, to, oh my god, please don't kill me. It's, it's man, I love Jack Lemmon. I'm glad he's still alive and kicking. Yeah. What's he doing next? Is he alive? Is he come play Snoke in new Star Wars? Yes. I love all of his new films. Yeah, Jack Lemmon's still alive. Yeah. Died to... June 27th, 2001. Oh, no. He, at least you spared the horrors of 9-11. He's, he's only been dead for fucking oh, 16 wonder, years. I wonder if they waited until he was dead to create the Gil character as like a tribute to him in The Simpsons. Because I would imagine that's kind of roughly around the same part, the same time that character really started becoming a thing. But, yeah. Well, uh, K-Pax is like, hey, you gotta tell me what you did with those leads uh, if you want, or else I'm gonna talk to the cops. Yeah. And, uh... Old Gil's still denying it. Yeah, old Gil, at least he tries for a while to be like, what are you talking about? I know leads. I, why, what would I do with the leads if I got them? I'm rum, rum, rum. And meanwhile, he's like, he's like eating the leads, <laughs> trying to eat the evidence. He's like, rum, rum, rum. what are you talking about, Glengarry leads? I didn't steal no Glengarry leads. Yeah. So, first appearance, reality bites of Gil. What episode is that? Uh, 1997 was original air date. Oh, so it's getting one. there close. Okay, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. That, that is right around the time I stopped watching that show, yeah. Um, and Lionel Hutz was still around. For that. <laughs> they just they just editing old recordings of Phil Hartman. Hello, no, I, it was the one I am where, Lionel It was the Hutz. one where Marge got into real estate. <laughs> oh, so that's the whole. Oh, I see. And of course, they would do a Glengarry Glen Ross. Yeah. Jesus Christ! They were like given every possible job to between Homer and Marge. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Right. Did you see those episode where Marge gets like artificially like big tits? Like there's an accident, and she gets like fucking triple H cups tits. Yeah. What the fuck happened? I mean, if you have to write 600 episodes of a TV show, you're going to have to go to some weird places. But It was still funny. Yeah, was still I'm funny. not one of those people who are like, no, it's only good up to this That's the thing, because I don't... Everything <laughs> after that season is poopy. Uh, That's not true. Uh, I know what it is. Some see- seasons had m- more bad episodes in the season than others, but there's always at least I've one I've barely seen any of it. Um, yeah, I know. You're a snob. What did you think of the Simpsons movie? It's good. Yeah, that's the 10th anniversary just happened this yeah. week. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah. So, uh, he's like, you gotta tell me where you did with the leads or I'm gonna talk to the cops. And he's like, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. And he starts to go towards the door, but then uh, he's like, sold them. He turns around, he's like... Yeah, it turns out he went, to, he went across the street to Gaff yeah, and sold and him the... He's like, yeah. it was his idea! Harris's, Harris's idea! We got five thousand dollars. I got twenty five thousand dollars of it. 
Oh, even then, he tries to throw Ed Harris on the bus because he's like, "I got twenty five thousand, but I'm I'm assuming he probably like lied to me and he made more. So if you catch yeah. him, you could even get double the money." And blah blah blah. Yeah. Spacey starts to go to the office, but uh, Levin takes him in the side room and tries to do some fast talking. Yeah, offers him the twenty five hundred in cash yeah. that he got. And Spacey tells Levin, "You got a big mouth. Now you're gonna see who's got a bigger mouth." Yeah. There was also. <laughs> I'm gonna make a lead sandwich. And last ditch effort to uh, 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 Levine offers to give Kevin Spacey fifty percent of all of his well, future. I'll give you twenty percent. No, fifty percent of all of my sales. Which actually becomes a thing in a little long bit. Long as I work here. In the stage version of the play, that actually becomes more of a thing. But we'll talk about that in a bit. Mm. But yeah. And uh, Spacey's like, "What sales?" And he's like, "I just closed eighty thousand dollars." This is the heartbreaker. Sale. This is the real. Oh. And Spacey is like, "Fuck it, man. That check no good." people you sold to are nuts <laughs> and they they just like talking to salesmen there's even a memo about it and yeah then, this is kevin spacey twist and that knife yeah. so sweetly yeah and which this is an argument in the salesman favor that the, this been spending the whole movie talking about how the leads are shit no matter how good salesmen they are they can never do anything with these, these leads why is why is that yeah, why lead even get, in circulation yeah. if they even have a memo saying hey guys don't sell to this person why are you even distributing that yeah. lead if you know specifically if you have to warn salesmen not to sell them why is there even that that's a, I mean, I know that's a good point dramatically you're not supposed to think about that hard this is built up just to be the twist at the end of the movie but then there should be a big stamp no call on them this is just yeah hmm, exactly yeah and this is a huge mark in favor that like the salesman always it's a really has been a catch-22 situation for them they really this is proof that they have been doomed this whole time yeah. so yeah so he starts to go to the office and uh lemon's like no and he's like nah a gun. i'm gonna do it because i don't like you and he's like but my daughter and he's like fuck you that's the <laughs> and then he goes in the office Oh, no, I forgot about one of my other favorite lines in the kid. When Alec Baldwin was having a tyrant at the beginning of the movie, he's like, good father, fuck you, go home and play with the kids. And that cracks me Because mm. I hate parents and I hate children and I hate everybody. <laughs> I'm a miserable old man mm. who takes pleasure in everyone's sadness. But, mm-hmm. yeah. but yeah, fuck you. Yeah, he goes in and talks to the cops. Yeah. So, Jack and Lemon does some good teary-eyed acting. And... He really is just like... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eyes all watery and just like yeah, boop, Pacino boop, comes boop. out of the office and vomits a stream of consciousness at some random guy who's, <laughs> who's hooking up phones and oh, that's right, Lemon yeah. sinks into his office chair. You think this is the part where Jack Lemon would get in a car and he would also like Moscow? Yeah. yeah, fucking off to the airport, motherfucker. But no, Pacino sits down, and starts to tell Lemon he wasn't. I was impressed by how you acted with that client, that story you were telling me. Have you eaten today? Want to swing by the chinks and watch me eat? We'll talk. Yeah. Charming. Very charming. Although, I mean, yeah, like I said, these characters aren't supposed to be heroes or good yeah. people you're supposed to look up to. But yeah. Lemon gets called back in the office while Pacino's on the phone. Lemon walks into the office as Alan Arkin comes back and he's like, Did they catch the guy yet? No. I don't know. Uh, anyone wants me, I'll be at the restaurant. And he leaves and Arkin sits down, starts to make some more phone calls. And explosive ending to this film. Alan Arkin making some phone calls. Mm-hmm. And that's, then, how hope, that's how I hope, hope the next Star Wars movie ends. And the, the credits roll with a terrible jazz scat cover of Blue Skies. That's well, even in the opening of the Ugh. movie is all like, it's Kenny G music. Yeah, yeah. Blue Skies, get that booty. And get it because it's a super sad, depressing movie. But we're gonna end it with like, hey, Blue Skies, and looking at me. Yeah. Suddenly, Otto from The Simpsons shows up and starts singing. 
loose cut. <laughs> hey, everybody. Um, but yeah, I guess in the original stage play, um, well, the, the movie ends with Jack Lemmon before he finally gives himself and goes into the cops and t- starts talking to them. Uh, yeah, uh, fucking Al Pacino's, like, kind of talking him up and, like, you know, like, you were the best, you taught me, blah, blah, blah. He's still yeah. talking him up. I guess in the original stage play, he was talking him up in the hopes of uh, also somehow get trying to get 50% of Levine's commissions to, like, I'm not quite sure how it was supposed to work, but he was buttering him up to also kind of swindle Levine out of 50% out of his, his, his commission for that big sale he just made or something mm. like that. But like uh, that, the internet was kind of vague as, as exactly how that was supposed to work. But that even kind of shows that even Al Pacino being nice to, uh, uh, Jack Lemmon in this movie at the end was, was kind of just him just manipulating him too, which that's even more just like, eh, at least, at least the movie version that at least, at least there's some kind of respect between some of the characters, which is nice. It's one of the one of the few nice soothing bombs this movie gives the audience. But mm-hmm. yeah, so that's the end of the movie. Glad yeah, which so you thought was pretty good. Yes, yeah, yeah. I I could see it growing on me, like watching it again, because the dialogue happens so much and you don't know what to pay attention to. <sighs> yeah, because it's just kind of going in fifteen different directions, and it's know? also going in circles, so you have to know which circles to pay attention to, which ones not. To. That's again watching it. I've seen this movie a bunch of times. Like I, I can pick up which, like yeah, when especially so much with the Alan Arkin and uh, the Ed Harris stuff about which stuff is actually going to be pertinent to the plot and which is them just like bullshitting each other. Yeah. And so yeah, you kind of have to pick those needles out of the haystack a little bit to really kind of enjoy it a second time. But it's good. It's good. But, yeah. 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 Again, I, like I said last week, this movie proves that you can make a good movie about anything. George Lucas is bullshit when he was complaining about how, oh, no one likes my Star Wars prequels because they're about politics and you can't make a good movie about politics. Motherfucker, someone made a good movie about a bunch of old men trying to sell crazy people real estate. That movie's great. Mm. You could have made a good movie about politics and Star Wars. It would have been hard. Not yeah. saying it's easy. You had to thread the needle on that. But yeah. Um, well. Actually, speaking of Star Wars. Uh, coincidentally enough, uh, there's not too much trivia about this movie. The only real big thing I saw was, uh, the guy who directed The Empire Strikes Back, Irvin Kirshner, he was the one who brought this play to the producer's attention and wanted to direct it himself in the mid-80s. Uh, but it got stuck in development hell and they had a hard time finding a good cast for this, uh, for the movie. And so, instead of, instead of his last movie being Glenn Gary Glenn Ross... Irvin Kirshner's last film wound up being RoboCop 2 instead, which is pretty much all the almost mm. same thing. Yeah, pretty much the same thing. Yeah. There is this... If only Jack Lemmon went crazy and shot himself in there. You have not seen RoboCop 2? No. I would have seen RoboCop <laughs> 2. I just saw RoboCop 1. Well, you don't know. Maybe they're really into... That's fucking... I, I only watch see... movies with the title uh, where it has 2 in it. The funny thing is there's actually a character called RoboCop 2 in RoboCop 2. Oh, that's the, I mean, that movie's written by Frank Miller. It's a piece of shit movie, but that's actually probably the best part of the movie that there's a RoboCop 2 in the movie. Oh, my God. Um, that'd be like an Aliens versus Predator. Someone said, oh, my God, it's like Aliens are versus Predators. Yeah. Oh, so. Yeah, that's also nice. It was a good cast, and it's nice. I mean, I love all the actors in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um. And yeah, just anything, any opportunity to see anything with Jack Lemmon. Yeah, uh, I, I yeah, I would suggest we watch The Apartment someday. That'll be kind of nice for the podcast. I don't think I've seen a lot of Pacino movies. Like he's lauded as one of the greatest actors in Hollywood. Kind of, but seen... he's always Al Pacino in all of his movies. I don't think I've though. seen that much of him. I need to see Heat. I've never. Uh, yeah, me too. Um. Yeah, The Godfather. I would. The Godfather's one and two are really, really good. They're really long, but they're really. I've good. only seen three. 
Uh, are you serious? <laughs> no, I've made that uh, joke that to you. I've made that exact joke well, to you before. Well, some people have. I've had some people have said I that saw to me. The, and I'm like, oh I my god. I saw the god. third one. I didn't think it was very good, so I was like, yeah, I'll oh, think I'll skip one and two. Oh, I feel kind of extra bad because uh, one of the main characters in The Godfather Three is Joe Mantegna. What? Joe Joe Mantegna? Mantegna? Joe Mantana, Mantana the football player. <laughs> He got finished with making Joe Montana football for the sake of Genesis, mm-hmm. and then he's like, I'm going to be Glenn Gary Glenn Ross. I don't know why they chose me to be Ricky Roma, but mm-hmm. uh, Joe, Ma- Joe Mantegna. Oh, how do you pronounce his name? He plays the fucking, isn't he? Yeah, he's the, the he's the head, uh, the, he plays uh, Fat Tony on The Simpsons. Mm, okay. Uh, but, <laughs> no, I'm just thinking about Homer Simpson on a, on a little bicycle going, mm-hmm. doing the loop-de-loop. Uh, but anyway, he was in The Godfather 3. He uh, he also originated uh, originated the stage play character version of Ricky Roma, mm. and uh, he won a, a bunch of awards for that. So I kind of a little it's a, I feel a little bad for him that he got usurped by his Godfather Three co star Al Pacino, who wound up you know performing that same role in the film yeah. version. Now everyone just associates that role with Al Pacino instead. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so much for him, but yeah, <sighs> yeah it was fine. Yeah, from <clears throat> from a super wordy. Very character-heavy driven film. To next week's choice. God damn it! Equally, <laughs> almost the same thing. Almost, it's almost the exact same movie, really, when you think about it. Next... I, I'm not upset about this. I knew this movie was inevitable. We'd have to talk about it someday. Mm-hmm. But some, this, I hated the commercials for this when I saw it as a kid. Mm-hmm. But we're gonna talk about 1990s classic Jumanji. Oh, you hear those drums? The drum beat. Is that a thing in the movie? Yeah. All I know is there's a computer-generated rhinoceros, a board game, and fucking Robin Williams with a beard. That's all I know about Jumanji. Yeah. So all those things happen in it there. <laughs> so you're not yeah. wrong. Have you seen anything about the news? The the the, the sequel. I haven't seen. They, they when I went that. to go see Spider Man, they were showing a trailer for it, and it looks dumb as hell. Because I saw people are upset because I guess the original Jumanji was a board game, but in the sequel, it's a video game now. It's specifically supposed to be like a Sega Genesis game. Times have changed. I know, but why not? People still play board games. And fuck Sega Genesis games. Fuck everything. A bunch of adults are mad that the movie that's not for them is being made. Yeah. Jumanji. God damn, I know. It's because Jumanji to me is such an inert thing. This is one of the few projects we've ever done on the show where I have have actually no feelings about it either way. Because I'm like, it just, it's it's like nitrogen in the air. You know it's there, but like it doesn't affect you, so why even deal with it? Could end up liking it like you did with Space Jam. Yeah, even Space Jam, I had some built-in animosity because that was the movie that killed the Warner Brothers cartoons Looney Tunes. (laughs) We'll see. I shouldn't get that warned about that. No, you're really, you're acting like it's the, the worst <laughs> like it's movie the on your list. Best. Yeah, I'm just scared of Jumanji. I don't know what's gonna <laughs> no, Jumanji. At least, well, this is one of the rare movies where I have know nothing about it. So I'm guy like, is it gonna be? I don't even know what its reputation actually is these days. Mm-hmm. Aside from kids who grew up in the nineties, like yeah, Jumanji. And also, when Robin Williams died, half the people were like, it was all split between fucking the genie from Aladdin or oh no, Jumanji died. And I'm like, how the fuck of all the things you're gonna choose? Robin Williams did. You're gonna choose Jumanji being the thing. Oh when no! When you could have done Patch Adams, you could have done The World According to Garp. You could have done. You could have done. But nobody did toys. Because now you made me sad. <laughs> and nobody, <laughs> oh, no. nobody I was did like toys. toys. I still can't. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad I've seen that movie, so we never have to do it on this podcast. I, yeah, yeah. Oh, that would be a never-ending me that mission to get me to watch and toys. Popeye. I'm 
thrilled I've never <laughs> have to do. Popeye's not that bad. Popeye I, I would agree that toys is bullshit. Awful. Popeye's great. I, it's so have boring. Have you seen everyone, all the shoes that people are wearing it's in that? The big so boomer shoes? <laughs> it's so boring. It is one of the best cast, least interesting movies cast. I've ever seen. It's got a great score. It's got all the songs, and they go to the track, and he's like, I am what I am. And, Ugh. and he punches a guy named Butterbean, for Christ's sakes. <laughs> he punches a rubber octopus, and then fucking Bluto turns yellow and swims away for the whole credits. Anyway, Jumanji. <laughs> <laughs> Jumanji. Jumanji. A Robin Williams movie I won't hate watching. Okay, good. Actually, yeah. We, 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 yeah. This, just even for your own sanity, I'm glad to throw you a little bit of a bone there if you dig it. <laughs> Yeah, okay. this was this was Glen Ross. <laughs> <laughs> Actually this was <laughs> Drink water. Yeah, just drink water and whatever you say is the name of this movie. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I like your new tattoo, Bill. I'm a mess oh, cause Popeye. Bill's got a Portland tattoo on his forearm. Yeah. I, I went to the stylish. tattoo art it is sticking off to there's a fur on my arm now. You, you went to the tattoo artist and said, Give me one of your temps. Put the name of the city that we are currently in that I, for some reason, can't name now on my arm. Wet the back. Slap it on, Dale. <laughs> no, it hurts. Ow. <laughs> no, the water makes my skin. It's sunny outside, too. I got a sunburn now. Now one little patch of skin. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. We'll be back. Coffee is for closers. Coffee is for closers. Fuck you. Way. Who thinks you could work with men? Yep. Fuck you. Lots fuck of fuck you. yous. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think of any kind of like like good quote from this movie that acts as a good closer to this to this episode, but it's really just fuck you. Go home and get yeah. your shine box. Tardy, muttering on Twitter. The grumpy oh, turtle on Twitter. Someone wanted to email us this week. What is our email address? Oh, it's tardypodcast at gmail dot com. Oh, okay, because I, I couldn't remember if that. you actually. I checked it, but nothing had come in. Hold on. I'm okay, so Jonathan right Mitchell, feel so feel free to send us an email to what whatever he just said. I I, as he's I, to- it. I tweeted him and told him. I just forgot to check I'm it. I'm getting the feeling Jonathan Mitchell's our only listener, so we should do whatever we can to accommodate him. <laughs> yes. Jonathan Mitchell, what's your favorite movie we'll talk about, even if we haven't seen it before? Uh, I think we did with... Um, uh, Pirates of Mantas? Yeah. I can't remember, because I know that was one of the listener requests. I can't remember. Yeah, I was... No, not Pirates. Um, sorry, I wasn't the listening. The Mikado? I wasn't paying attention to you. Oh, okay. It was, it was blissful. No, um, bed knobs and Broomsticks. Oh, that's right. We did that? <laughs> oh, because the, the fucking suits of armor. Oh, and the, it was the shitty Mary Poppins knockoff. That's what it was. I said you that it was just. I shouldn't say that it was shitty. Right after we just uh, agreed that that was a, a listener request. But yeah, if anyone has more requests of us, let us know. We'll even pretend that we haven't seen it before if it's a good choice. I'm not gonna. We still got to do the magic flute. Yep. Got to throw that out. Uh, too many verification steps to deal with this right now. Oh, for email stuff. I'll check my email when I get home. Yeah. yeah. You know, what push come to shove. Email mudrin at gmail.com. That'll do, too. If you just need to get... Or just, you know, just tweet at us. Well, we always Oh, no, I just don't have it hooked up on my laptop for quick switches. If if you listen to this podcast, you can obviously get in touch with us, even if it's just using our normal handles on Twitter, like mudrin at the Grumpy Turtle. So, as we always mention at the end of... Yes, mudrin on Twitter, the Grumpy Turtle on Twitter, Tardy Podcast on Twitter. TardyPodcast.com Until next time, you follow us all for pop culture, and remember... Coffee is for closers only. Take care, guys. Goodbye.